Well, howdy. howdy. Good morning and welcome to Grace. My name is Austin Hornung, and typically on a Sunday morning, I'm at Creekside College, but I'm super excited to be here at Anderson College this morning with you guys. I've actually been at Anderson College for the past five years, three years as a student, two years on staff, and so it feels really good to be back in this room with you guys. Um, when I was a freshman, I sat right back over here, and if you would have told me, um, or probably my friends as well, that I would be up here five years later as a freshman, we would have thought you were crazy. Um, so I, it's super humbling to be here, super honoring, uh, because it was being here at this church and hearing Jacob preach that gave me the, the confidence to say yes um, when I felt God calling me into ministry. So you were at an incredible place, uh, get invested. This, the Lord is alive and active here. And so the reason I needed this clicker was to show you this picture, because um, something that I've seen every guest preacher do who's been married is show you a picture of their wife. So here she is. This is Ashley. She's actually right there if you want to wave to her. Um, So she was a Southwood College fellow while I was an Anderson College fellow here. It was a match made at Grace Bible Church. Um, So we love this place. We love it here. And we've been married seven months. We got married in July. Um, So we don't have any children because math. Uh, But we have... These two beautiful creatures right here, this is, Maggie is the dog, Alistair is the cat. They, they break the stereotypes. They love each other a lot. And uh, this is just like a day in our life one day. Yeah, so that, I, I don't know if you've ever posted something online before where people like talk to you a lot about it afterward. Um, I got married, people were like, oh yeah, you're married. I post this, they're like, oh my gosh, your cat was on a leash. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so I've got a lot of encouragement from that video. Um, one day, Ashley and I took Alistair and Maggie into Petco because they want you to bring your animals in there so they can sell you more animal stuff. And so um, I walk around a corner with Alistair on the leash and this older gentleman um, sees us and he looks at the cat and he looks at me and then he says something that I won't repeat in here uh, because it wasn't the most encouraging. And um, I was kind of different than the other stuff I'd been hearing. And so it, I don't know if you've had moments like that where you, you look back at your life and you're like, I wish I could kind of snatch that one back. Um, I don't know if he felt that way or not, but I've felt that way plenty. And I know the feeling is probably mutual. We've probably all had plenty of times in our lives where it's like, I probably could have done without saying that. Uh, we, we need to be wise with our words. We are all in desperate need of wisdom with how to use these things that come out of our mouth all of the time. And I, I feel like this is a good spot to just kind of pause for a second and give you all a disclaimer. Um, disclaimer, I am not perfect at using my words wisely, nor will I ever be um, when my hair is gray or gone. So it, this is something that we can all grow in all of the time um, because nobody, nobody is perfect at using their words. So if you hear me, if you see me out somewhere and you hear me complain about something, don't be like, wait a second, that's that guy that told me not to complain about things. Please just give me grace. I'll give you grace and we can try to grow wiser with our words together. But the truth is, we, we all want to live making better decisions and having fewer regrets. And thankfully, God has given us a lot of guidance in his word about how to do that for every season of life. 
And much of that guidance is found in the book of Proverbs, which focuses both on our character and on our conduct. And in God, we know, we know God has our best interests at heart. Just look at the words we sang about him. So we can, we can trust what he tells us to do in his word. And the, the truth is, in this social media age that we live in, we kind of need wisdom with words now more than ever because we know the pain they can cause. Because we've grown up in a world where people can cut you down without ever having to look you in the eyes. And it happens all the time. We see people that we look up to and, and celebrities and politicians fight publicly on Twitter and other places. And now more than ever, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't think there's ever a time where someone can take back words that they've said, but you really can't now because you never know who's recording you. You post something and go, actually, that was kind of dumb. I'm going to take that one back. Well, if it was up more than a second, someone could have screenshotted it. And your words can come back to haunt you kind of now more than ever. So we really do need wisdom with how to use our words. And really, the, the first thing we need to talk about with our words is to acknowledge that words bring harm or healing. We need to acknowledge that our words have the power to either bring harm or healing. And so we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. We're going to kind of jump around a bit. Words will be on the screen, but if you want to follow along, you can try. Um, one of the ones we're going to look at is Proverbs twelve eighteen, which says, Speaking recklessly is like the thrusts of a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. So I'm going to try something with you guys. I'm going to give you the first part of kind of this popular cultural saying I've heard a lot growing up, and I want to see if you guys can give me the latter half of it. Are you ready for that? See some nods, maybe? Okay, so the saying is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Way to go, guys. That is a false statement. <laughs> you know, I had to add the but words part, so no one saying Rihanna in church, but the, the sentiment, the saying is something we hear a lot. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know about you, but, but words, words can hurt, and the, the cut that they leave can last a lot longer than it takes a bruise from a rock to fade. I mean, let's just, if you look at what Proverbs twelve eighteen says, it says that speaking recklessly is like the thrust of a sword. A more, maybe a more accurate way to rephrase that saying would be, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words feel like a dagger in my heart or knives in my back. Like, they have incredible power to be either destructive or, or not. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's like, wow, that's super intense. Thank you, Proverbs. It does that a lot. Uh, but it's true. We have this, our words have this incredible power to either bring life or to bring destruction. Just look at this. This year's edition of Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I told my kids I ate all their Halloween candy. I ate all your candy. And I got police. Last night, I got hungry and I ate all of your Halloween candy. Last one, not as cute, right? I don't know if y'all heard what she said over all that obnoxious screaming, but it was, we, we hate you and we don't want to live with you anymore. Um, try that one with your roommates. They'll be like, uh, there's the door. Good luck getting out of your lease. Like, it just won't go over well for you. And, and our words have 
this power. And so with, with the guy in Petco, it was kind of just a funny example. It didn't really hurt because I didn't know him. But if you were to look back on the times in your lives that you've been hurt by words, it's, it's most likely someone that you really cared about. And that's why it was painful. But the thing I really like about Proverbs twelve eighteen is that it has hope. It might talk about words and their destructive power, but it ends with hope. It says, but the words of the wise bring healing. Kind of like this. I ate all of your candy. I'm sorry. You're just joking. <laughs> you didn't eat my candy. I did. I was really hungry. Well, and, so I know, but I was really hungry and I didn't have any other food. I'm really sorry. Well, you should eat some food from me. From in here. Oh, I'm really sorry. Me too. Mommy, I'm not. I'm not mad at you. It's okay. Wise kid, right? About as wise as he is adorable, and and there is there is some wisdom in his words kind of compared to the other ones right there is some wisdom being spoken you might have noticed his mom had a little bit more wisdom than some of the other parents as well she constantly was saying what yeah she's like i'm sorry i'm sorry which which is good it's a it's a step in the right direction um she didn't say i'm sorry you feel that way that would be a step in the wrong direction but she said i'm sorry which is good but what goes a step further if you want your words to bring healing the words you're looking for are will you forgive me will you forgive me i mean try saying it sometime it's a lot it's a lot harder to say than i'm sorry because it kind of opens yourself up to having to you give the other person power to say yes or no right like what if they say no oh my gosh but you have the words that have the power to bring healing, or will you forgive me? And the, the truth is that words have this power to bring harm or healing. So are you wise with your words? Are you reckless with your words? Are you casting them about like a sword, just kind of every which direction? Or are you conscious to, to bring about healing with them? And then who do you need to ask for forgiveness? Because like I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it a lot this morning. We all mess up in this way. We all have people that we have hurt with our words and need to ask for forgiveness. So who is someone that you could talk to this week and ask them for forgiveness? I'm pausing to give you all a chance to think about it. It's a legitimate question. And then when this week can you ask that person if they will forgive you. And it's hard, right? That's a hard thing to do. But in about probably all conflicts, except for, I don't know, some really rare occasions, extreme situations, it's kind of everybody's at fault when it comes to conflict, right? It's not just them. It's also you. You might feel like it's 10% you, 90% that person, but they might feel the same way. So why not be the person who says, okay, I'm going to be the one to to step up and say, will you forgive me? Because those words have incredible power to bring healing. And so, once we acknowledge that words bring harm or healing, the next kind of step we can all take together is to trade complaining 
for encouraging. We can trade our complaining for encouraging. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down, but an encouraging word brings him joy. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of things can make me anxious, right? I Probably nothing more than when I start to stack up all the things that I need to do and need to get done. And it's like, well, I haven't thought about that one in a few months. Let's add that to the stack. And you just kind of pile it all up. And then the next thing that we'll kind of do is I'll look at how little time I have left in, you know, like today. Like it's actually feasible to get all of that done today. And then I'll be like, well, here's all the other things I would rather do instead of that. And you just kind of look at all of it, or I do, and you kind of get in this spiral. And then all of a sudden you give a voice, or I give a voice to my anxieties, and that's complaining. And you kind of get into this, this state where it feels weighed down. And so I highlighted these two kind of in sentences, in phrases in red, because in Hebrew, they are one word. So this weighs him down, brings him joy, each one word in Hebrew. This is Proverbs Old Testament written in Hebrew. And I haven't taken Hebrew yet. I'm in seminary. We're focusing just on Greek right now. But netbible.org has a great resource. You can kind of look at what's going on in the original language. And what it says in its commentaries and its analysis of, this, of the language is that that one word and that word below it, it's creating a pun. And the pun is to show this really sharp contrast between these two states, this low, weighed down, anxious state, and this high, joyful, rejoicing state. And there's, there's one thing that this proverb says brings a person from here to here, and it's an encouraging word. So your words have power, not just to cut down, but to bring healing and life into the people's lives around you. An encouraging word brings him joy. And so, this isn't just an Old Testament idea. There's several verses we're going to look at in the New Testament as well. Uh, The Apostle Paul, who wrote to several churches, um, in one to the Ephesians, he puts the same kind of idea this way. In Ephesians 4.29, he says, You must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need, that it would give grace to those who hear. And I've heard this verse used before to talk about like, oh, you shouldn't cuss. And and maybe that could be an application. But I think a a better application of what's going on here is that we shouldn't complain. It seems to be pretty directed at complaining. Because when I think about if I complain, uh, it's, it's pretty much never beneficial. It doesn't really build anybody up. And it certainly doesn't give grace to anybody who hears. And when I think alternatively, about when I receive encouragement. Uh, When I receive encouragement, I feel like it's very beneficial. I feel really built up, and it gives grace to me when I hear those words. And so you kind of see these two sides of the same coin that fit what Paul's saying here. You can either complain or you can encourage. He puts it kind of more succinctly in Philippians. In Philippians 2.14, he says, "...do everything without grumbling or arguing." everything? Like, is he serious? Like, everything? Like, what about, what about venting? I mean, I guess, it, I guess it depends, right? Am I, am I venting because I'm asking for prayer? Am I, like, sharing something hard to, to be in prayer? Am I, am I looking for advice 
when I'm venting or am I just wanting you to sit there and be silent and just accept the negativity that I'm putting out into the world? And so do everything without grumbling or arguing. And again, I'm, I'm guilty too, for sure. We're all in this together. I feel it. Because, you know, sometimes complaining is giving a voice to my anxieties, but other times I look at it and I, I realize that I'm just like, there's like a lull in the conversation. And you're like, oh, well, no one's saying anything. What do I say? It's like, well, I could always just say, you know, like how I'm tired or I'm busy uh, because people seem to like it when you're busy. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, me too. Like, that's a relatable thing to say. So you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm busy. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, bravo, you're doing so much. And you're like, all right. Now I'll never sleep again. And that's a different sermon we can have another time. But the, the, point, the point is we can put these things out there and it's not beneficial. It's not scriptural. Scripture is calling us to do something completely different, which is live lives that look different from people who don't know Jesus. And, and one of those things is restraining those words that we want to put out there, that is natural to put out there, and, and sacrifice that ability to talk, to, to just be encouraging and be beneficial and not complain. So we, we need to be wise with our words. And it's hard. But words bring harm or healing. So we really need together to decide to trade complaining for encouraging. So do you, do you encourage more or do you complain more? As you kind of look and think about your day-to-day interactions with other humans, do people feel better or worse after talking to you. I don't know about you. I want people to feel better after talking to me. I don't want anybody to feel like, man, that guy's a bummer, right? No one wants that. And so how, how do you use your words? The, the goal is kind of to not complain ever, right? But how realistic is that? We're probably not going to just walk out of here today and never complain again. That would be nice. I gave this sermon at Creekside last week and Southwood the week before. Let's just say it's really hard to be perfect at it, and I've slipped up a few times in between. So what are we going to do? Well, the goal is to kind of maybe take today and be like, I'm going to try really hard to not complain today. And then as you leave after this, try to come up with a way to help you grow. Uh, when I was at Southwood a few weeks ago, we had a table group there, and one of the guys said he was going to wear a rubber band on his wrist. And every time he complained, he was going to not pop himself with it. That was my thought. But he's going to take it off and put it on his other wrist, and so that each time he moves it over, he'll keep track of the complaints as he's switching it back and forth. Um, one of the girls was like, I always carry a pen, so I'm just going to mark my hand and kind of keep tally of how many times I complain. And hopefully there will be a time when there are less marks on my hand or maybe even no marks on my hand one day. And so whatever, whatever you can think of, get creative with it. Uh, but try to reduce the amount of just complaining that you put into the world. And it, it'll be beneficial. It'll give grace to people who hear. And so... Our, our words really matter. We need to trade complaining for encouraging. And we have the ability to ask for forgiveness, but we don't really have the ability to take back things that we've said. They, we, can, we can repair it, we can bring healing, but that doesn't undo it. You're, once you say something, the consequences of it are kind of in free fall. It's, it's going to happen. It's, you're just going to be falling, um, which is really fun if you're going skydiving. This was me like one week ago. Oh my gosh, I could vent, I could not vent, just talk about it forever, but this is not an ad for skydiving. So I will move on because the point um, is that my wife, Ashley, um, she she had this moment when she got up in the plane and she saw me leap out into the abyss of the air. And um, 
something came over her and she said, this, this is not for me. I have, I have made a mistake. And um, so she started begging her skydiving instructor, because she was also going tandem, to, um, to not jump out of the plane. And um, <laughs> it, it didn't go so well. Um, and, and so the, the point, the reason I'm bringing this up was not just because it was super fun, but because our, our words kind of have the same effect. Once you say that, once you put your words out there, the consequences just kind of put you maybe literally in free fall. Typically not, but it continues, it continues, the actions continue. Luckily, she uh, felt better about it once she got back to the ground. Um, recently, she said she might go again. We'll see. Um, but our, our words, our words have this incredible power. And so we, we need, if we acknowledge that they bring harm or healing and that we want to trade complaining for encouraging, kind of the, the solution to go about achieving that is something that might surprise you. It surprised me as I was looking through Proverbs and seeing kind of the other advices that it offers. It's just talk less. Proverbs just says, hey, if you're, if you're going to talk and just talk less. It's, it says to choose quality over quantity. You want to choose quality words over a quantity of words. And I get that that's kind of ironic coming from the guy who's up here talking for like 30 minutes, but it's an important point. So I'm going to say it anyway, because look at what Proverbs says in 10, 19, and 20. It says, when words abound, transgression is inevitable, but the one who restrains his words is wise. What the righteous say is like the best silver. What the wicked think is of little value. And so it's kind of like if you talk a lot, it's so easy to mess up with your words. You're basically like, you're guaranteed to sin if you talk too much. It's basically what this verse is saying. But the one who restrains his words is wise. I'm going to go back to the Hebrew a little bit because I'm a nerd. But restrains his words in Hebrew, it's literally um, one who closes his lips, restrains his lips. Um, So it's God's very polite Hebrew way of telling us to just close our mouths if we need to. Because what the righteous say is like the best silver. I don't know about you, I want my words, people to be like, ah, that is valuable. That's kind of the goal, right? Uh, But what the wicked think, the word think is supposed to be in there, is of little value. And we all, we know that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we all have some of that wicked in us, right? It's kind of like, I don't really want to claim that, but we do. We all have things that we think that we probably don't want coming out of our mouths. So being filtering of the, filtering those things is wise because we don't, if not every thought that you have in your head is like silver, keep those other ones that aren't silver from coming out. Did any of you guys uh, watch Bambi as a kid? Bambi? Yeah. How many people watch Bambi? Do y'all remember the little cartoon rabbit? Yeah, yeah. Thumper. Yep. So uh, my mom is actually here right now, and she would always tell us um, growing up that that we should, she would use these words from Thumper. They're these words right here. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Wise words from a cartoon rabbit. Uh, my mom took notes in that movie, I think, because she told me and my sister that all of the time. It was like we'd say something, and she'd be like, if you can't say something nice, we'd be like, don't say nothing at all. And uh, it might have been annoying as a kid, but now I look back, and I'm like, man, that was, that was wisdom. That agrees with Scripture, that if we can't say something that's beneficial, that's encouraging, we should just not talk. And this is what it 
Proverbs um, 13.3, it puts it this way. It says, the one who guards his words guards his life, but whoever is talkative will come to ruin. And I, I read that and I go like, I talkative, like I kind of think of talkative as a good thing, right? Like I like to be around people who are talkative and can keep conversation going. Um, but the, the word for talkative there, actually that's the next one. So the next one is Proverbs 17.28. Even a fool who remains silent is considered wise. And the one who holds his tongue is deemed discerning. So it actually was talkative. Talkative is this person um, who just opens wide their lips. Is actually the, the Hebrew thing that's been translated talkative. Opening wide the lips. Someone who kind of goes on and on and on, which I don't want to do, which is why we went ahead and read that one. And then Proverbs 21.23. The one who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his life from trouble. So if we want to be people who keep our lives from trouble, who people think us wise because of the things we say, that what we offer into the world is more like silver than wickedness, we want to kind of restrain and filter what we say before we say it. And so I say that, and it kind of seems like Proverbs either gives us, you can like be encouraging or you can be silent. Um, but those aren't always mutually exclusive options. Uh, I don't know if you've had times in your life where it, it has been encouraging when nothing was said. Uh, but I have a friend who's actually also here today. They're both here for 11. Um, all my family, my dad's here too. It's his birthday. So if you see a man with a mustache that's clearly not a college student, tell him happy birthday. Um, but what I was saying, my friend Will, who's also right over there, um, I met him at Impact in 2015 before any of y'all were in college, unless you're here just for a while. Um, but before y'all were in college, I met Will. He was the, the kind of impact freshman that all the good impact counselors pray for. Like when I went to a Bible study and invited him, he came with me. And um, when I led a Bible study here at Grace, he came and he led a Bible study here for, well, he was at mine consistently every week, and then he led one for two years uh, after I'd graduated. So you might have had him as your Bible study leader before. And uh, when I went to East Asia, he, I challenged so many people to come with him. Like, hey, come share the gospel in East Asia. And people were like, internship, man. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but Will was like, yeah, I can do that. And so we went to East Asia together. And he was um, one of the groomsmen in my wedding. And we've been friends for a long time. Uh, but the reason I'm talking about Will this morning is because there were these two times in my life um, that were just super encouraging. And sometimes you get in these like Christian circles and they're like, we're going to do this on purpose. And we're going to have these times of encouragement. And so Will and I were in like two of these times together. One was like a long time ago um, when he was a freshman. And um, we were at that Bible study that we went to together. And the second time was in East Asia, his senior year. And both of those times, um, what he said to me was the most encouraging of anybody else in the circle offering encouragement. And both times said the exact same thing, and I remember every word that he said. And both times, um, he said absolutely nothing. And I can't look at you. And because both times, um, when he, he looked at me, and his, like the timer started for 30 seconds to be like, be encouraging, and then it went off, and Will had still said nothing. And that was because both times, um, he just cried. And so I cried too, and I, I hugged him, and you know, it's like, it like, oh yeah, Bible study. Um, but in, in both, of those, both of those times, the reason that was so encouraging is because sometimes people tell you things like, hey, I don't even have the words to express uh, how meaningful this was. 
but they do because they just use those words to try to express it. Uh, but he literally didn't have those words. And um, that meant so much to me because, the, you know, there are times when you're following after Jesus and you are trying to encourage other people to do the same, that it's just like, man, is anything, does anything that I'm doing even matter? I mean, you can do that no matter what you're doing. You have those questions. Uh, but those are times I can point back to and be like, man, what I'm doing really does matter. What we're doing as believers who chase after Jesus and encourage other people to do the same thing, it really, really matters. And so I say that this morning because sometimes we can think I can either be encouraging or I can say nothing or I can, maybe maybe there's some other area of scripture that that'd be great too. Uh, but really it's these two options, but they can even be the same thing sometimes. I don't know if you've been through a hard time and someone has just sat with you and they didn't try to say that, you know, everything's going to be okay. They just sat and that in itself, just their presence was encouraging. But you can use words to be encouraging, and sometimes you can just be with somebody and be encouraging. And so we want to be wise with our words, because words can bring harm or healing. So we want to trade complaining for encouraging and choose quality words over just putting a quantity of words out there. So do people, do you, do you think more, or sorry, let me put it this way. There's this, there's this saying in our culture that it's kind of another one of those, I'm, I don't know why I'm going off on so many of them this morning, probably because we're in Proverbs, but it's an, kind of an American proverb. You won't find it word for word in scripture, but it says something like you have two ears and one mouth to listen twice as much as you talk. And I feel like that same wisdom is found in some of those verses in Proverbs we've been looking at. Um, so as you go about your, your conversations this week and you're trying to hold back the complaining and ramp up on the encouraging and uh, just evaluate afterwards and see how could I better ask people questions and just listen to other people and, and be with them and have even the times that I'm not talking be an encouragement to other people. So we want to choose quality over quantity. And so we see that there's a lot of, a lot of ways we can improve here if we don't want to be like that guy in Petco. And I feel like we all want that because we can all, all be that at different times in our lives. And so words, again, I'm going to go through this again because I think this is really important. Our words can bring harm or healing. Our words can bring harm or healing. So who in your life do you need to ask for forgiveness for when you've been reckless with words? We've all been reckless with words. So who in your life do you need to ask for forgiveness this week that you can sit down and talk with them and say those really hard healing words? And then we should trade complaining for encouraging. So what are you going to do this week? Today, I invite you to, to be with me in the goal of just at least today. Let's today not complain. And then think of some way you want to, to pull back on it in your life, whether it's marking your hand, switching wristbands, get creative with it. Let's try to pull back on the complaining. But not just, not just take something away, but we want to replace it with encouragement. As you're talking to other people, Look at, look at positive things in them. Try to, to compliment them or to, to point out things that they've done in your life before that really encouraged you and built you up. And lastly, we want to choose quality over quantity. To listen. We want to be people who listen more than we talk and offer encouragement not only through words, but just through being there and listening to other people. And like I said, this, this has been a lot. <laughs> I get that. If you're anything like me, you've seen a lot of ways that you can improve this morning. And so I, I want to end with some encouragement. Because Proverbs says over and over again that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of wisdom. This love and respect for the Lord is where we start. So I want to go back to where we start and remind you that there was the word of God who is God and was with God in the beginning. And he loved us so much that God became a person that he put on human flesh and lived the life that we could not live where he, he didn't complain and he didn't, not even when he was on the cross, and he, he didn't cut people down. He, he encouraged people and lots of people were encouraged by his words. Even today we read them and are encouraged by them. But the world rejected him for it and he was killed. And it'd be a really sad story if it ended there, but it, it was the best day in history when he rose back to life because that proved that God really does love us and he cares for us. And so be, start there. If you haven't accepted that free gift of grace that Jesus offers, the love of God that he proves he has for us in Christ's resurrection, start there. For, figure out the words later. Uh, but just tell him, like, Lord, I, I want what you're offering. I want to be with you forever. I want to start that relationship even today. Um, so if that's you this morning, take a second. Um, forget everything else I've said and just be with the Lord and, and start that relationship with him. But if that's something that you've done yesterday or a long time ago, uh, I just want to say, be encouraged that we don't serve a God who asks us to get all of our words and all of our actions and all of our thoughts in order, but he accepts us exactly as we are. He loves us so much that he will take us exactly as we are, not, not so that we'll stay that way, but in the hope that we would love him enough in return, that we would change our lives and shift how we speak and how we act and how we think in order to best love him and the other people he created. And so be encouraged that, that we serve a God like that. And so uh, I'm going to give you a second to just, in the quietness of your own heart, to just take a second and, and speak with him and, uh, and tell him... Um, whatever it needs to be, like a way you want to grow today, a way you want to grow this week, um, or that you want to start a relationship with him. Whatever it is, I'm going to give you a minute or two to just sit and to enjoy his presence and to thank him um, for what he's done in your life and, and tell him how you want to grow in the future. Lord Jesus, we thank you for how much you love us. Lord, we thank you for this morning and this chance to come together and to, and to hear about and to talk about how we can better use our words to love the people around us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't leave here feeling weighed down by ways we failed. You, you died for that. And that we would feel no shame and we just love you so much and be so grateful that we'd want to change in a response to the love that you've first shown us. God, we thank you so much for this time. We pray that we would feel your presence as we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.